Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Awesome. Well, good morning, Church for All Nations. How are you doing? Are you good? Man, well, you look good. Fabulous day. How awesome were those baptisms? We had 15 people. And I don't know if you noticed at the end there, uh, someone didn't have a t-shirt. She just, she didn't have a t-shirt. And the reason why she didn't have a, uh, a Church for All Nations t-shirt to get baptized is she just, you know, spontaneously decided to get in the tank. And I just thought that was so cool, you know? And afterwards, I, I, she said her name was Shiloh and, and she was sitting there like no clothes to get, you know, changed back in. He was soaking wet, you know, and crying and, and she was talking about how when she was 12 years old she was baptized into, into the Mormon church and, and that, didn't, that didn't work out for her, that didn't pan out the way that she thought it would and then all of a sudden, not too long ago, she met the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in a very real way and she's now been attending Church for All Nations for just about four weeks and she was like... I didn't even realize it was uh, Baptism Sunday, but I had to get in that tank, Pastor. You know, it's pretty cool. And I said, I said, you know what's cool is, you know, you're soaking wet, you're gonna drive home soaking wet, and you'll remember this day the rest of your life. So cool. So that's, that's why we're here. That's, that, it's, that's what this is all about, is seeing people come to Christ and get baptized and phenomenal things. So. Uh, if you've never been baptized, make sure uh, you sign up for our next one. Or if you don't, you don't even need to sign up, just hop in the tank like Shiloh whenever you want, all right? Awesome. Hey, let me inter- introduce myself. If you're new, my name is Pastor J.F. Wilkerson, and I have such an honor to, to, to lead uh, Church for All Nations. And, and if you're uh, just visiting with us or if you're new, we want to say a huge welcome. Thank you for being here with us today. I hope you feel the love in the room. This isn't some uh, stuffy religious uh, experience. This is a, a Jesus relational type of a place. And we believe in the power of Christ and what he's doing in our lives. And it's exciting watching, this, watching us grow every week. There's new people coming every week. So it's exciting. And as you saw on the bumper there, we're starting a brand new series entitled I Am. Someone say I Am. I am. You know, Jesus refer to himself as I am. And what I want to do is for the next several weeks is break down uh, some of these statements that he made about himself. And if you look in scripture, those of you who are maybe new, newer followers of Christ, in the gospels, uh, there's some red letters. <laughs> and the reason why there's some red letters is because every time you read those red letters, That's the actual mouth of Christ. That's what he said. So uh, maybe you've got a Bible and and you're like, why are these letters red? Well, it's Jesus talking. And so we're going to be looking at some of those red letters and some of these things that he said. You know, Easterners, especially Middle Easterners, speak in pictures. Uh, The way they communicate is they they paint uh, imagery for you. And so when, when they speak, it, it, it comes alive. In fact, uh, my wife Ashley, when she was d- doing some of her theological work in, in, in grad school, she was in a, uh, one of her upper-level uh, Judaic courses. It was a very unique course because this course had students uh, from all over the world. 
And so on the very first day, she was telling me that the professor got up there and did something that she had never seen before. He said, I want to do something that might feel a little odd, but it'll make sense because this course is going to really come alive after you understand what we're doing. And he said, those of you who were raised and educated in the Western hemisphere of the globe, I want you to stand up and all sit on this side of the room. Okay, so they all got up and And then I want all of those of you that were raised and educated in the Eastern Hemisphere to stand up and sit on this side of the room. So you you see what happened here? Those in the the West were over here and the East were over here. And And the professor said, what I want you to do is I want you to get a piece of paper out and I want you to answer this question. Write it down on this piece of paper. Here's the question. Who or what is God? Who or what is God? So they all took a few minutes and they just started jotting things down and the professor said, okay, those of you that were raised in the West, I want you to shout out some of your answers. And the answers that the professor got back were statements like, God is all knowing. God is love. God is powerful and etc." cetera. And, and how many of you know all of those statements are true? They're all true. He is all knowing. He is all powerful. He is love. And then he did something a little more unique. He took it a step further. He said, okay, now what I want you to do is I want you to close your eyes and I want you to picture a powerful God. I want you to picture an all-knowing God. I want you to to picture in your mind what a God of love looks like. And it was a little bit harder for them to wrap their minds around. He then looked at the students from the Eastern Hemisphere, and he said, shout out some of your answers. And he got, the professor got things like, God is my rock. God is my loving father. God is my fortress. And he said, now I want you guys to close your eyes, and I want you to picture God as your fortress. I want you to picture God as your father. I want you to picture in your mind what is God as a rock look like to you and and obviously this this imagery, these pictures come that much more alive in their minds. They were able to make them even that much more personal, a more personalized God. You see, the statements that the Westerners made, even the demons in hell would agree with. The demons in hell agree that God is powerful. But let me tell you, they would not agree that God is a loving father, right? And so, and so there's a difference here. And what I want you to take away from this series is, is that pictures truly matter. And Jesus was one who taught in pictures. Jesus didn't have blonde hair and he didn't grow up in Costa Mesa, California. He grew up in the Middle East. He was a Middle Easterner. So he spoke and he taught in detailed imagery. His statements were full of imagery. John chapter eight, John chapter eight, verse 12 is gonna be kind of our anchor verse for today. This is what scripture says. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, here it is. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. 
So the question is, what does it, what does it mean when he makes the statement, I am the light of the world? Or take it a step further, what does it mean that we are called to be light? Well, to quickly answer that, it's that we're supposed to go into the darkness, into the dark places of this world, and shine the light of Christ. But the question is, what does that even look like? How do I do that? One way you can answer that question is, is, is asking the next question, what is the light of Christ intended for or intended to even do? Here's the first thing that I want you to write down. If you're asking that question, what is the light of Christ really intended to do? Here's the first one. That is, his light is meant to reveal. His light is meant to reveal. And it really comes in two parts. It's meant to reveal the hearts of men. But the one that I like even more is that it's meant to reveal the heart of the Father. It's two parts. His light is meant to reveal the hearts of men to others and to ourselves, but then it's also meant to reveal the heart of the Father. So John 8, 12, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, but I wanna back up a few verses and really give some context to what he, I don't wanna just throw that statement out there without giving you any context. I wanna give you some legs to it. The Pharisees have brought a woman to Jesus. She's been caught in the act of adultery. Now. There's a lot of implications there. Uh, was she set up by these Pharisees? Did they give her time to like put her clothes on? I, 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 I don't know, but she's caught, the scripture says she's caught in the act of adultery. And Jesus is like in the middle of his sermon. <laughs> he's, he's teaching, much like I'm doing right now. He's, he's teaching to a crowd and, and all of a sudden, these guys dragging this woman who's been caught in the act of adultery. Now, I feel sorry for the guests that day. <laughs> what is going on? And these Pharisees bring this woman in and they say, hey, Rabbi, Rabbi, the book of Moses says that we're supposed to stone her. What do you have to say? Look what scripture says here. John chapter eight, verses six through 11. They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stopped, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. The question is, why is Jesus writing on the ground. Jews to this day value scripture in a way that most of us will never truly understand. I, 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 uh, I can remember I was in, in, in Israel probably three years ago, I was in Jerusalem and right off of Ben Yehuda Street, I, was, I got on the train and I'll never forget sitting on the train and, and, and seeing these, these Jews reading their Torahs their little, the little books of, of, of God's word, all, you know, 12 years old all the way to seniors. And I thought it was fascinating how they read the scriptures. They had that little book and I watched even, you know, 16 year old kids like mouth as they were reading, mouth, mouthing the words out loud. And one thing that was so fascinating to me is that they were doing this motion 
We're on this train and, and these you know, 16-year-old kids and 80-year-old seniors were all kind of doing this motion while they were reading it. And I said, that is fascinating. And I asked my teacher who I was with, I said, why are they doing that? And he said, oh, Jay, this is the coolest thing ever. He said, it's a, it's a Yiddish term called shuckling. And they truly believe that as they read the word of God, a fire ignites inside of their souls and it literally even physically impacts them to where they cannot stop moving because like a candle whose wick is lit and that little flame starts moving on that candle it's so symbolic as the word of God rising up and I said man I'm, I'm, I'm gonna start doing that you know and, and so I was, I was reading my bible when I was in Israel I was like man I want the fire of God inside of me I love it I just love that there's a, uh, there's a method of teaching that rabbis use where they simply will refer to a portion of scripture and the audience knows the scripture so well that they'll beat the rabbi to the punchline. It's the coolest thing ever. Like, let's just say if I was just quoting a scripture right now and you just got so fired up that you just blurted out the rest to me. So the picture here is that this method, the rabbi is able to communicate, listen to this, the rabbi is able to communicate without even using words. There's actual communication taking place and the rabbi hasn't even opened his mouth because these people already know where he's going. It's a fascinating thing and Jesus does this right here. He gets down and starts writing in the ground. There's a scripture in the book of Jeremiah. I'll read it here in a second. But this passage in the, uh, in the book of Jeremiah was used during the Jews' cleansing rituals, their, their baptisms. They would, they would quote this scripture during their cleansing rituals and they, they, they had memorized it. They knew this passage of scripture over and over and over and over. They, just, they, they knew it so well. And here's what the scripture says, Jeremiah 17, verse 13. Lord... You are the hope of Israel. Now, if a rabbi got up and started quoting that right now, the whole audience would already know where he's going. Lord, you are the hope of Israel. All who forsake you will be put to shame. Those who turn away from you will be written in the dust because they have forsaken the Lord, the spring of living water. So these Pharisees drag in this woman who's been caught in the act of adultery and they test him and they say, Rabbi, probably almost mockingly, our book says we got a stoner, what do you got to say? And Jesus doesn't even have to open his mouth, but he gets down on the ground and starts writing. And in that moment, that audience know, knew exactly what he was trying to say to them. He was saying, you have forsaken the Lord your God. You're, you're, you're more focused on this sin and, and, and punishing this, this sinner than restoring this woman. And so look what happens here. Verse 9. At this, those who heard begin to go away one at a time. The older ones first. Isn't that interesting? 
until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Verse 11, no one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now, there's some people that camp out right there. They don't finish this passage of scripture. And they use this, oh, I'm good. (laughs) Grace upon grace, hyper grace, all this kind of stuff. But Jesus doesn't just leave her like that. He says, what does he say? He says, now go now and leave your life of sin. You see, the light of Christ reveals, but here's the deal. Not only does the light of Christ reveal the hearts of men, but more importantly, it reveals the heart of the Father and his heart is never to condemn. His heart is always to cleanse. His heart is always to forgive us. His message is forever love. It's always forgiveness. And that's supposed to be our message. As, 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 as the light of Christ reveals some of the dark areas of man, of ourselves. And you know, there's some of you in this room who when you found Christ, when his light came into you, you didn't even realize some of the areas of darkness in your life. And you're like, I had no idea that that's, that's what was going on in my life. And so the, the light exposed that and it revealed that. But I love that he doesn't just leave you there. <laughs> it actually reveals the heart of the Father his love and his grace for each and every one of us. I have a confession to make. I am a slight hypochondriac. It's true. My mom makes fun fun of me about this all the time. You know, I'll I'll get a little cough and I'm like, "Ah, I think this might be the end, you know? (laughs) And, and, uh, my mom, she'll, well, are you, you might, are you going to die? You know, she's, but uh, long, long time ago, many, 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 many years ago, I was in college, can you believe that? And I got into this kind of like, uh, like this workout thing. I was really into working out. And as you can see, I still am. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> But, but, you know, you're in college, all, the, all your buddies, and, you know, you get done with class, and you just head to the gym and pumping weight and all this kind of stuff. And part of lifting weight, some of you guys know what I'm talking about, there's supplements that are involved. You know what I'm talking about? You're taking all proteins, and, and I don't even know what they're even called anymore, but there's this one, one type of a supplement that came in one of these, you know, jugs, you know, and, and it was like like hyper color, like, you know, like lime color, or, you know, all these different purple and, and like some of them said like, you know, explosion across the side of the, the bottle. You know what I mean? And, you know, like explode or get ripped, you know, stuff like that. And so like, so, you know, we would, we would take this stuff, you know, you scoop it out and put it in the water, you know, and it turn you know, bright red and, and you would drink that. And like in about 15 minutes, you know what I'm talking about? Like you were ready to like peel back the skin on your face. You were just like, right? And you just get the, oh, give me 10 more, you know? You're just like, I'll give you 20 more, you know? And, and, I, and I can remember I'd take that stuff and I would just like, you know, it was just like, ah. And I had this thought, there's no way that this is healthy. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
I, I had the thought like, there's no way, there's nothing natural about this right now. There, it's just, there's no way. But man, I was getting results, so I just kept taking this stuff, you know? And I took it for months, and, and I, I got to a place where I actually kind of started, started getting kind of convicted about it. Like, I should not be taking this stuff, you know what I mean? And not too long after that, I start getting like these lower back pains, right? And I was like, ah, oh, man, what is that all about, right? And they wouldn't go away. And, you know, I'm a hypochondriac. And the thing about my, my, my situation is, you know, hypochondriacs tend to rush to the doctor. I don't rush to the doctor. I just, I just live with it, you know what I mean? And, and so I, start, I was living with this, and I was like, ah. Oh. And, and, and I started getting in my mind that, that God was mad at me, that he was judging me, that he was punishing me for taking that stuff, and it was shutting my kidneys down. <laughs> like, like, this is how far, you know, so I was like, yep, this is, this, he's mad at me, and you know, I, I couldn't talk to anyone about it, of course, you know, and I brought this on myself, and I kind of went into this dark place, and I'm like, yeah, renal failure is setting in now, and <laughs> the full thing, because I was taking these supplements, and I finally, I finally got to a place where I was like, I got to go to a doctor now, so I'll never forget it. I walked in the doctor, and I, I managed to get a limp, you know, and like, kind of walked in, and, and I walked in there, and, he, and I had this look on my face. He's like, what, what is it? He's a, a doctor, friend of the family, you know, and he's like, what, what, hey, what What's going on, JF? And I'm like, I'm having full renal failure right now. <laughs> he was like, what are you talking about? I, yeah, God's mad at me. I was taking this, uh, this stuff called explosion to work out, and he's shutting my kidneys down because he's, he's mad at me. And so I'm, I don't know what to do. I guess I'm just telling, I just wanted to come here and tell you, you can't do anything about it. So I just felt like I wanted to get, get it off my chest. And he was like looking at me like, what is wrong with you? He said, lay on the table, you know. So I get up, oh, I get up on the table, you know, and he starts kind of, you know, doing all this stuff on my, on my hips and my pelvis, and I'm like, yep, he feels it, he knows, you know, the whole thing. He's doing all this kind of stuff, and finally he goes, like, sit up. I'm like, I sit up, you know, and he's get off the table, and get off the table, he's like, now walk, walk around a little bit. And I was like, well, I got a limp, doc. He's like, no, don't, don't limp anymore, just walk normal. <laughs> so I started, I was like, ah, you know, ah, I was like, and I was like, and he's kind of had this big smile on his face, and I looked at him, and I said, did you just heal me? And he said, yes, I did. And I said, you, you have the power to heal full renal failure? And he said, no, man, your pelvis was, was misaligned and I just adjusted it, man. Probably did it from working out. And I was like, so I've been hobbling around for six months for, for thinking I was, kidneys were shutting down. He's like, yeah, you could have came in here two days later. I would have fixed that for you. What, what's wrong with you, man? I was like, oh, thank you. And I, I threw my arms around him. He was like, ah, you know. And... Silly story. Silly story. But... Did you know, how are you going to connect that, JF? Did you know that the disciples themselves had a situation very similar to this? A scenario that was, was as outlandish, if not more. And, it, and, it's, and it's the second area where you see Jesus refer to himself as the light of the world. I wanted, I wanted to read you this passage of scripture here. It says, as Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man 
or his parents that he was born blind. So here's this dude on the side of the road, he's blind. And they come walking by and the disciples have already predetermined what took place. They say, what's going on with this guy, Jesus? He, tell us about the sin in his life. He must have taken the explosion drink and his kidneys got shut down, right? Why is he blind? What, what sin does he have in his life? Or maybe it wasn't him. Maybe it was his parents that caused this. And look what Jesus says here. It's fascinating. He says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But watch this. It's cool. But this happens so that the works of God might be displayed in him. So Jesus not only shuts down that mythical narrative that they had in their minds, he changes the whole thing and flips it up on, its, on top of its head. He says, as long as it is as day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. And here it is. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And here's the second realization that I have for you, and that is his light is meant to restore So it's meant to reveal, but not just reveal, it's actually meant to restore. You see, in this moment, Jesus is not only bringing light to reveal the the disciples' wrong thinking, but he's also correcting their thinking as well. And, And really, that's what restore means. It means to correct or to take something back to the way it was supposed to be. That's what's so amazing here. He doesn't just restore the disciples' thinking. He doesn't just correct their thinking. He actually restores the man's physical sight to the way it was always supposed to be because we serve a God who is a restoring God. That's what he's all about. The light of the Lord always seeks to restore, whether it's our wrong thinking or whether it's our actual physical bodies. So with that in mind, that's what we're supposed to do. The light of Christ that lives inside of you, it's meant to be used to restore others, to help others heal, to walk alongside those that are hurting, to help correct at times some people's dark thinking. Hey, no, 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 you don't have to think like that. Let, 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 me, let me help you with that. Let me walk alongside you. Let me help restore you back to the way God always intended you to be. His light is meant to restore. So fast forward a couple chapters to John chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, you can just shoot to John chapter 12 real quick because I want to reference that. Jesus has been anointed at Bethany. He's He enters into the city on that Palm Sunday where they shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, meaning liberate us, free us from these Romans, right? They thought that he was coming to establish an earthly kingdom, but that was never Jesus's intentions. And this is where Jesus talks about being the light one last time. He is trying to explain to his followers that things aren't going to look exactly the way that they had anticipated for them to look. They thought that he he was coming to put a crown on his head, 
that he was gonna establish an earthly kingdom and, he, and he's trying to explain to them and they, they just can't, it's too hard for them to receive but he's trying to explain to them that that's not the way it's going to be. Please just spend some time with me here before I go. John chapter 12, verses 35 through 36. This is where Jesus refers to himself as the light one more time. It says, then Jesus told them, you're going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Hello. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of the light. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. Here's the the third uh, thing that his light was always intended to do, and that is his light is meant to reflect. It's It's meant to reveal, restore, it's supposed to reflect as well. And here's the thing, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are called to reflect him. You're called to reflect his light. I actually, I mentioned that in our Saturday night service and I had a brother come up to me. He was like, yes. And then he said this too. He said, not only that, but we're really, we're really called to refract him like a prism, like the light of him that comes inside of us. It absorbs inside of us and then it's shot out from the inside out. That's, that's what we're called to do. But here's the thing. There's a lot of believers that miss this part of their journey with the Lord. They've been restored, but they're missing this reflection part. They're missing this refraction part, if you will. And they're, and they're missing out on the sweetness of what it truly means to be a follower of Jesus. This is why he came to save us, but not only to save us, to set us on mission, to be his hands, to be his feet, to be his light in this dark world. And this passage of scripture confirms that. Refract his light, reflect it. As you absorb it, allow it to come out of you. And Jesus explained this in the most famous sermon ever given, Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. Here it is. You are the light of the world. I could could stop and talk about that one line and the implications of what that means for hours. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl and so they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We are called to be a reflection of him as the band comes back. There's a lot of people that miss this. You know, in Israel... Maybe many of you know this. I didn't know this until I went there, but the Jordan River is one of the most beautiful places I've ever been to. It's pristine. Um, And I didn't think it would be. I was thinking desert. And and there's parts of it that look like that, but the the part that I went to was gorgeous. It was lush. 
and the water was moving and flowing and it was like this aqua color. It was beautiful. And then I got to get in it and it was like the perfect temperature on a hot day, you know? It's rushing and it was clear. And I was in the water with one of my teachers and he looked at me and he said, Jeff, do you know where this water ends up? I was like, I've never had that thought before. He said, it ends up in a place that's the lowest place on earth. Does anyone, can somebody shout it out? Dead Dead Sea. And he said, it's a beautiful picture of the same water ending up in a very dead reservoir. And you know, on that same trip, I got to go down to the Dead Sea and I didn't have quite the same experience that I had at the Jordan River. I got in that body of water and it was hot and murky and nothing really lives in it. In fact, nothing lives in it. It's like it got a salty solution to it. In fact, you can get in it and if you lean back, it'll like just kick your legs right up. It's just like, it's just dark and hot and and more. And he began to talk a little bit about how sometimes if we're not careful, Jesus, his light can come into us right? His light can come into us. Maybe, maybe you're here today and you can remember exactly the moment that you said yes to Jesus and you began that journey and, and his light was like flowing and moving and stirring inside of you. And then over time, whatever took place, nothing, not necessarily any bad things took place, just your, your walk with him began to get kind of stale and as that water made its way and, and some of you are sitting here today and you have the light of Christ in you but it's, it's not very active. It's it almost, it's like you're, you're, this, you're, the, you're the reservoir, the Dead Sea holding the light and it's just sitting there. Same water but it's in the wrong compartment. You see, we're called to allow his light to flow right through us. I, I, I love the reality that, that when you say yes to Christ and you accept him and re- receive him, his Holy Spirit literally comes and lives inside each and every one of us. The, and the implications of that, the, the Holy Spirit being our peace and our power and our strength and our comforter living inside of us, it's active. But now, share it with somebody else. Be a reflection of his light to a broken, dying world. And so the question is, how do I do that? How do I reflect his light? That sounds very complicated. Well, you know what? You can make it complicated or you can start by just loving your spouse a little bit more. You can start with helping your neighbor. You can start by having that conversation of encouragement with your coworker that has been shelved for far too long. You can start in little ways like this and then more opportunities will open up to you. This is the process of reflecting, refracting his light in a very, very dark place. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And because I'm the light of the world, now my light shines in you and now you become that light to your brother, to your sister, to your neighbor. His light is meant to reveal not only what's inside of us, not only what's in the heart of man, but truly the heart of the Father. It's meant to restore it's meant to heal. It's, it's, it's meant to bring restoration, correctness to the way we think, to the way we do life. And then finally, it's meant to reflect. That's, that's Matthew 28. That's the great commission to go. And that's what this place is all about. If you're here today 
and this is your first time, I want you to know that it doesn't stop here. When you guys leave here, we don't shut everything down and no, 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 there's stuff going on all week long and, and everyone in this room, we're called to be that reflection, to be that light out there, out there. This right here is to come in and get equipped, right? To get encouraged, to get in community, to get saved. I'm gonna say a prayer here in a minute and some of you in this room are gonna raise your hand and accept Jesus for the very first time. So this is wonderful. This is priority, but it's not everything. We gotta be a light to a community out there. Did you know that statistically, the Northwest is the most secular area in the country? It's a dark place. It's a place where people are jaded and they don't like religion. I don't either, by the way. But we're called to reflect his light and help change people's minds be inviters. And so that's what we do. We had that showcase last week, 43 different groups. I'm so excited. We launched this next Sunday. What's that all about? It's all about being a light because you're going to invite people to that group that maybe would never come into a situation like this. So I encourage you today, as Jesus said, I am the light. He also instructed each and every one of us to be that light as well. Would you bow your heads as we close? Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church.